Welcome to the Augustine Institute Show. You know, this evening I want to tackle a very difficult and yet important topic, and that is mental health and our youth and young adults. You know, before COVID happened, we've seen uh, very troubling trends of increased depression and anxiety and even suicide amongst many young adults. The, leading, or the second leading cause of death for those aged 15 to 24 is suicide. It's a real tragedy and it's a real difficulty that we face as a culture in the Western, in the Western culture. And tonight I wanna to talk about mental health for our youth and young adults in light of COVID because I'm very concerned that COVID is going to increase the challenges that youth face. When you look at isolation, social isolation, fear, anxiety, uncertainty, these are all the things that really put deeper challenges upon mental health. And right now our youth are facing that in an unprecedented way. And that's why we wanna address this issue. Many of you have probably seen our film series called The Search which we aimed at introducing God and the, and the topic of the church and faith to youth and young adults. And in that series, we touched upon the problem of rising rates of depression and anxiety and suicide amongst youth and young adults. And that corresponds with, or at least it correlates well with, over the last two decades, with an increase of a breakdown in family and a loss of faith. Without family and faith, our youth are facing unprecedented challenges on securing their identity and their own self-esteem and their own sense of purpose and meaning in life. And right now with COVID, this, the challenges are just almost overwhelming. And I know I hear this from many of you on our forum family. We get letters asking for prayer requests for youth and young adults. Uh, just in the last two weeks, I've heard from a good friend of a, a tragic suicide, another friend of a teenage daughter who had to be admitted into a hospital with deep anxiety attacks. This is a challenging time for our youth, but there's things we can do to help them. And that's why we're gonna address this topic. And that's why I've inv invited a very special guest who is a pioneering leader amongst youth and young adults for mental health and mental health strength. You know, one of the great challenges we face with mental health is the idea of a stigma with mental health and spirituality, but that shouldn't be the case. You know, the psalmist who was very pious in Psalm 42 verse five said, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? The psalmist, the one who wrote that psalm was a, a person of deep faith and piety. And yet they wondered at their own internal turmoil, their own internal mental health and spiritual struggles. We can't be ashamed of that. We have to face it. And we have to be present to others to help them. And so tonight, we've got a very special guest and a very important topic that I'm glad you're gonna join us with. Welcome back. You know, I'm very excited about the guest we have this evening. He was introduced to me by a very good friend of ours, a mutual friend who is a great advocate for mental health and for his Catholic faith, a friend of mine named Andy from Canada. And I'm really excited because our guest is from Canada and we have so many parishes that subscribe to Formed and so many individuals in Canada that are part of our Form family. And you know, you're a key part of our audience and I'm so excited to have somebody who's really an outstanding individual and leader in the mental health area who's from Canada, 
who's going to share with us some of his insights tonight. He started his organization called Jack.org about a decade ago with his wife Sandra, and that, that organization has now won many awards for its pioneering efforts at creating mental health awareness and uh, knowledge amongst youth. They do a lot of peer-to-peer -peer outreach, and it's really uh, fascinating the work they've done. Uh, their website has really won several awards as well and is full of great resources in this area. And so it's a real honor for me to introduce to you Eric Windler, who is the founder and executive director of Jack.org, which specializes in, in, in helping and spreading uh, great information and education and advocacy for mental health amongst youth and young adults. Eric, thank you so much for the great work you do and for being with us this evening. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for having me. We, we just love talking about our work and it's very important, so thanks for having me. Well, you, yeah, you have really been a game changer in Canada over the last decade with your organization and the, the group that you brought together to really create advocacy and awareness about mental health for youth and young adult. Can you just give us a little bit of background with the audience? What inspired you to do this incredible work? Uh, well, I'd love to. It's, it's a bit heavy at the start. I just want to let you know that, uh, you know, if you were to ask me 11 years ago today, uh, about, you know, what's going on with your family? I would have said, you know, we're the luckiest, happiest, healthiest family. My wife was a senior executive at one of our big banks. Um, I was an entrepreneur doing well with a, with a startup. Uh, and then we got a call from a police officer in March of 2010. And that poor gentleman had to come to our house and let us know that we had lost our son, Jack. They had found him in his residence room, age 18, first year student. Uh, at Queen's University, which is about two hours up the road here in Kingston, Ontario. Uh, so it was obviously out of the blue, completely, completely devastating. We were, we were destroyed. Uh, but you know, I can talk relatively unemotionally about it now, 11 years later. Uh, but as we picked ourselves up uh, off the ground, uh, Sandra and I and our closest friends, you know, we were thinking about this and saying, you know, if this could happen to us, Maybe it could happen to anybody. So I started looking into it. And as it turns out, I, I never went back to my, my day job. I've been doing this ever since. Um, and we started uh, uh, with, for us, a very significant memorial donation to a national charity here in Canada called Kids Help Phone. It's our national youth crisis line. And that was a very important thing, Tim, that we, we did because they coached us about how to get started. Uh, and I'll try to be brief about this, but we did a landscape scan. We said, where can we make a difference? And we did a two-year pilot study with them uh, with, with 36 schools, both high schools and post-secondaries. And what we learned is that young people were being left out of this conversation, this most important conversation about them. You know, you alluded to uh, the second leading cause of death. It's the number one health-related cause of death for young people is suicide uh, in Western countries. And that's completely unacceptable. Uh, so we did this pilot and what we, what we really learned was that we needed to find a way to truly engage youth in this conversation. And uh, we did that and we piloted the, uh, in the third year, we piloted our, our approach with young people at the university where Jack was, Queen's University. Uh, and uh, we really figured we were onto something. So that's when we incorporated and became an independent charity in the summer of 2013. And now today, fast forward, we have 50 full-time staff but the key is we have about 3,000 young people in every province and territory of Canada who actually deliver all of our programmatic work 
and are key to our reach in about 250 communities all across Canada. Uh, we train and certify youth speakers in our Jack Talks program. Uh, they gather together and all year long do activities called initiatives in their Jack chapters. There's well over 200 of them now. Um, and we hold summits, we call them Jack summits, both at the national, regional and local level. And uh, those bring these young leaders together to learn from one another, uh, kind of build a community uh, and inspire them to go back and do, do work in their communities. And then uh, we have an amazing digital resource. So we only keep two websites. One is jack.org, it's the home site, but we have a resource called Be There, uh, which has been incredible. And maybe we'll talk a bit about that. Yeah. And that's at bethere.org, uh, which is a digital resource that young people use to learn about mental health, learn how to support one another, and really kind of lean into those difficult conversations because it's most likely young people will be the first ones to notice. Uh, that, that somebody has changed uh, their behavior and therefore might be struggling. You're exactly right, Eric. I think that uh, if, and I think this is one of the great features you brought into the conversation is this peer-to-peer, -peer, you know, you, you talked about stigma and how you and your wife said that this could happen to us, that could happen to anybody. And I think that's exactly right. And I think that's why people need to learn more about mental health and we need to make this uh, education normative for people so that parents and you know, educators realize how important this is and how we have to recognize this to be able to deal with it. But I love what you're doing. You're helping teens to recognize this and own this. And that, that breaks the stigma at the peer level because if we don't have uh, kids in colleges and, and, and high schools being able to recognize this, a lot of this is gonna, the, the stigma is going to keep this off to the side and we're not gonna address it in people's day-to-day -day lives, are we? That's right, absolutely. You know, stigma is a huge thing. We're, we're gradually overcoming that. Uh, but this peer-to-peer -peer way uh, that we've, we didn't really stumble on it. We tested it out and there's known evidence. And you know, Tim, it's actually just common sense. We all learn from our peers the best. You know, we, you know if you wanna learn about hockey, it's unlikely, sure you could learn from a pro, but you're probably more likely to pick up some tips from one of your buddies uh, or football or whatever it might be. But if you imagine two young speakers up on a stage uh, who've been trained with about 50 hours of public speaking training to safely and hopefully, and that's the key thing, hopefully sh share their mental health journey. Uh, and, and you know, at least 25% of the kids in the audience will resonate because they have struggled and they're hearing it from a peer rather than, you know, a, a doctor or some sort of person my age, uh, you know, sort of preaching at them. Um, it's, it's, it's really powerful, that peer-to-peer -peer model, and it just makes total sense. Well, I think it's making a big difference, and I think it's gonna change the, the youth culture of seeing mental health as something that anyone and everyone can struggle with to one degree or another, and to recognize that in their friends, and that, you know, it, it takes away that sense of stigma that people then, feel comfortable to share uh, when they're struggling. And that's so important to get youth to share with their peers that they're having struggles. Uh, that makes a big difference, doesn't it? It's incredible. You know, in, in 11 years now, I, I've obviously personally shared my story a lot. And in hindsight, I can't remember one person who's judged me for talking about my story. Mm. And that's really the fact of the matter. Those close mm. to you care about you. They want to know their, you know, they want to know how they can help you. Uh, and it has a natural effect. Uh, and another thing I just want to mention about the, pro the way we do the programs that I think is so critical, we call it a youth engagement, youth leadership strategy. And I really want to point out the youth leadership piece because youth are our future. 
right? They're the ones who are going to take care of us when we're old, all, you know, drive the economy, all the rest of it. And we just can't have too many of them underperforming. There's, there's not only a social cost to that, there's a huge economic cost to that. And that's why this upstream uh, prevention promotion work is known to have the highest payback. Mm. And it has actually an offsetting effect to the rest of the mental health uh, uh, you know, system. Because uh, you know, if you learn how to take care of your mental health, I often, I often compare it to uh, anti-smoking mm. uh, campaigns. You know, if you can stop somebody from smoking before they unfortunately get addicted to that, you can prevent a whole a legacy of uh, problems and costly medical care from taking place. Same applies in mental health. Absolutely. So the leadership piece, the upstream piece, piece are definitely uh, definitely magic, and we're really proud to to be working that way. I think that's exciting. To get preventative and get ahead of this is going to do a lot of good for a lot of people. I want to invite our audience to text in their questions. And also you can do that on the forum platform, making comments and questions, but also you can, you can text in at 720-650-0100. And again, that's 720-650-0100. Text in with your questions. We'd love to, to, to take your questions and let you become part of the conversation. Well, Eric, I'm concerned about COVID adding a whole nother burden to this. What, what do you think we need to do right now in light of COVID and how should that heighten awareness for parents as well as for uh, youth? Well, I, I think, you know, it's pretty obvious to all of us how COVID has affected not just youth, but all of us, but it's more worrisome for youth because they haven't built their coping mechanisms. They're just learning about life. They're just developing their brain, their social connections, and so much has been taken from them. You know, to have to do school remote and look at a screen like we're doing right now all day long. They can't meet up with their friends. They may have lost a job, all those sorts of things, but especially those who struggle. So it's hard enough on all of us, but it's especially hard for those who struggle. And then, you know, anecdotally, uh, I hate to say it, but I've been dealing with far more families who've lost their young ones. Uh, you know, I'm dealing with them all along. They just reach out, they want some support, but it's definitely gone up in COVID times. But statistically, just to give you a couple of quick ones, uh, the kids help phone I mentioned, our youth crisis line, uh, their calls and texts have almost doubled wow. in, uh, in COVID times. Wow. And uh, uh, there's also uh, been a survey done pre and post pandemic. And uh, one of the surveys talks about 18% of youth contemplating suicide uh, prior to, and prior it was 6% of youth the previous year. So it's serious stuff. And while suicide is still a fairly infrequent and obviously tragic thing, it's just a marker for the amount of struggle that's going on. And many young people have had multiple attempts and still get through it, uh, you know, uh, somehow, but it's, they're living their life suboptimally and we've got to get, get, a, get around that and get ahead of it. It's uh, COVID is just, uh, and this second wave in particular, you know, I know the US like Canada is going through it is, is so difficult for people. And now we're in the depth of winter and that yeah. adds another, another burden. Eric, one of my fears, and I don't know if you've seen this, is that uh, parents, because so many adults are struggling with so much of the crisis of, of COVID, right? You know, with economic and social things and things at work, that it's easy to get distracted for parents more than normal to lose sight and, and, and track of their kids during this time. I think it, it's gonna take more deliberate work uh, for 
adults to look out for their youth. I mean, I know just for me personally, my son just graduated in December from college, but you know that that um, fall semester, you know, trying to keep. I just wanted to consciously try to keep in touch with him more often. And then I found out, you know, early on in the semester that most of his classes were online, even though he was on campus. And uh, it, I don't think a lot of parents recognize that, you know, their kid, well, they're off at campus, so their campus is meeting. That doesn't mean that they're socializing. It doesn't mean that, you know, they're with their peers. And so we really have to have a greater vigilance, ironically, even though we know mentally, like you said, it's a hard time for our youth. What are we doing to outreach, you know, uh, as family members? How can we call and connect with, uh, with the youth in our lives to make sure that they're connected? What are some of the practical tips you'd recommend? That's, that's, that's so valid. And we all need to be educated about mental health. And obviously our target is, is what we call the transition years, age 15 to, we say 24 plus, because we don't kick kids out of our program if they're 25, but they're identifying as a young person versus an adult, you know, on with their career and all the rest of it. But we also need to educate, uh, you know, families, uh, caregivers, all those sorts of people. You know, I, to make it personal again, if you took it back to Jack's story, I went down to the university a few weeks later and I talked to those students and the residence dons that were around Jack. And he was absolutely classic in the signs he was showing there. He wasn't coming out of his room. He hadn't attended class in months. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the stigma of it uh, and the shame that's associated with it, he couldn't talk to us about it. But they all recognized that he wasn't behaving normally like he did the first month at school. Mm -hmm. But they didn't connect that to a mental health uh, concern. And, you know, I'm convinced if we had only been given a heads up or if he was able to put his hands up, hand up and say, I need some help, he'd still be here. We would have got him some help. We would have uh, uh, been in a whole different place. And that's still happening today. So it's wow. really incumbent on parents uh, and all those people that surround young people to, to show an interest. And, you know, I think a really important thing is don't always reflect on everything that was perfect in your life and leave out all the tough stuff. Mm. Talk about how you had some struggles too. You have to normalize that conversation. We call it the rose and thorns, you know, and mm. often it's good around the dinner table to share, you know, something that really good happened today, but hey, what was something tough you had to deal with? And that is likely to produce those con important conversations if that young person uh, starts to really struggle. And we know one I, in four, one in five of them will. So it's important uh, that we all uh, educate them. I love that imagery of roses and thorns. And if we teach our kids about how, how we deal with our thorns, it models to them that uh, how they can. That's beautiful. You know, Eric, I, I want to go back to something that you have on that incredible uh, resource on uh, bethere.org. And I love the idea of being there for others and being present to them. That's so important. And one of the things that you talk about and be there uh, right away is the, the, the kind of three things to look for uh, if somebody is having a, a significant mental health challenge, that you know, there's, that there's a significant impact on, on them. And how do we recognize those signs? That's, we're getting a lot of great questions that are coming in. And I, you know, that's one of the questions. How do I, how do, what are the signs of recognizing that somebody's maybe in a, in a bit of a dangerous place that we should reach out? Well, there's, there's one that I would put all in caps, and I mentioned it earlier, but uh, noticing a change in behavior, but not a change in behavior that's one day or two days. We can all have a bad day or, uh, you know, 
you know, a 20 year old can come home and be a little hungover the next morning, whatever it might be. Yep. But if it persists and it goes on for a couple of weeks and it's something you notice that's a significant change in behavior from what you know that young person to be, mm. that, is a, that is a sign. There's all kinds of more specific mm. things mm. around, you know, uh, not socializing like you might or consumption of, uh, you know, uh, uh, inappropriate uh, substances, uh, a change in eating patterns, any of that sort of thing, you know, uh, if a really athletic kid no longer wants to go out to practice, all those things are those, uh, but I summarize it all that, um, yeah. you know, and you don't want to just ignore those things. You really want to find, find the appropriate time and you don't want to force yourself in on, uh, on, on that young person at an inappropriate time, but let them know, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to have a chat when you're ready and, uh, but, but you can be a bit persistent about it and uh, find that time. Well, I, I love that be there, uh, org gives some of those simple things to look for, you know, like the, that significant change of behavior that lasts more than two weeks. That's a real flag and, and the, the eating and all those things and change of behavior. Those are, those are great things for people to be aware of. Uh, you know, the other thing that you mentioned in be there, uh, org is kind of the five golden rules of how you can be there for somebody. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to, you know, highlight that because I think that's so important. If there's any of those five golden rules that you want to highlight, uh, I was really moved by, uh, by those, uh, the simplicity and yet the, the power of them. Yeah, and I'll just briefly touch on, the site was developed because our young leaders, after we were, we were running for four or five years, were saying more and more of our peers are disclosing to us that they're struggling. And we just want to, we don't want to learn how to be their doctor or their psychiatrist. We just want to understand how to be there for them. And uh, ironically, I was able to obtain the URL bethere.org uh, because you can't talk about supporting somebody without saying the words be there. Uh, but the, the five golden rules were, were really found on evidence that we researched out there. But the interesting thing was we did a, a global landscape scan. We couldn't find a site that was both evidence-based and engaging to youth. Mm. And that's the real difference. The, 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 the short videos that we have that explain the golden rules uh, and all sorts of different uh, scenarios are, are wonderful. But in order they are, say what you see. So when you, when you want to lean into one of those discussions, you just need to describe the changes you've noticed and tell them why you're worried. Uh, you don't want to judge, mm -hmm. uh, you don't want to make assumptions, but mm -hmm. you know, I see you haven't gone to soccer practice and you used to always go to soccer practice. It could be that simple. You know, I love about that is you don't have to get into the underlying possible motivations or issues. You don't have to get to the cause or make a judgment like you said. You just have to talk about what you see. It's so simple. I love that. And the lack of judgment, you know, like judging someone, why don't you care about the team? You know, all that sort mm -hmm. of stuff would be inappropriate. Or why aren't you studying? You always used to study. Yeah. It's more like I've noticed you're not studying. Yeah. And you're, you know, the second one is, uh, is show you care. And this one is huge because mm -hmm. you really just uh, let, had to have to let someone know uh, that, that you love them uh, and that you're there to help them. Uh, and, and your actions can speak louder than words. You know, if it's appropriate, you can, you can give them a hug. You can just stay, with, stay there with them. Uh, and then we move on to, it's called hear them out. So you need to kind of open up that space for them. Uh, and, and you can ask some sort of uh, uh, a little bit more probing questions uh, to, to help sort of validate their thoughts and feelings. Uh, so any questions there before I go on to the last no, two? No, and then, yeah, I, I, the, the, uh, 
yeah, please go on. That, I think that's yeah. just, you're nailing it, so I'm, I'm happy. And, and then, then you move on, and the fourth golden rule is called know your role. So again, you're, you're there to support them. You're not there to judge them or be their therapist. You're just there, uh, and you're definitely not there to give them unwanted advice. Eric, yeah, and I think that's so, to me, you know, we talk about that in the Christian life as humility, right? You don't try to be more than you can be to them. Yeah. And you further need to protect your own mental health while you're doing it. So if you're someone who struggles and you're a young woman, for example, and your friend is very anxious, you, you also need sometimes to find someone else who will help you with mm -hmm. that, know your role, because it just might be a bit much for you. Mm -hmm. And then finally, if things are serious, um, uh, you need to connect them to help. So that's the fifth one. Yeah. And, and you can't uh, force them to get help, but you can make it easier. Because you can imagine if you're incredibly anxious or depressed, uh, you know, digging through all the websites and all the rest of that's probably not what you're good at at that moment. So you can serve up some resources and, uh, you know, you could even dial the number of the helpline for them and say, you know, can I talk to them? And then maybe you'll have a little word with them, that sort of thing. Um, uh, but there's, you know, it's tougher in these times, much more of the support is, is virtual uh, and navigation is a huge challenge. I'm sure it is in the U.S. It certainly is in Canada of where to go. So that's another thing for families and young people to know about is be educated about something, you know, uh, kind of know where the grocery store is before you have to go shopping, mm -hmm. right? So know where those mental health supports are because it's almost inevitable. That's why we want to reach all young people. You know, even though one in five will live with a mental illness, five in five have mental health. They need to know how to take care of it. Yeah. And all of us will have to support somebody or should be prepared to support somebody should they need it. Well, so, uh, and Be There has been great. It's, uh, it's won, like you said, yeah. won some awards, and we've even partnered now with the U.S. Yeah. organization to roll it out there. Eric, I, 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 you have been there for so many over the last 10 years, and I know you're going to be there for many, many others in the years to come with your tremendous organization. I'm, I just, I'm so grateful for you spending the time to share this with our audience, and uh, you're, you're, you have really lived out those golden rules that you laid out there in your own life. And it's an inspiration to me and to many others. And so I'm deeply grateful for your witness and, and your love for others. You, you really um, are making a big difference and uh, grateful for, well, for you being here. Thank you so much, Tim. And you know, one, one present out of all of this after our tragedy is it actually helps you in your recovery if you help others. Yeah. Uh, it actually does. And I'm sure you find that in your work uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's a lot more satisfying than my automotive career, for example. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, helping others really helps, and these young people that are helping their peers, it really helps them on their journey as well. Well, you've, you've honored your son with the work you're doing in his name, and uh, it's blessing a lot of people. So thank you so much, Eric. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Tim. Thanks for having me. All yeah, the best. It's, it's a joy. God bless. God bless. Well, I, I'm so uh, delighted that everybody could get exposed to and hear the story of the wonderful work that Eric is doing at uh, jack.org as well as bethere.org. It's wonderful resources. And one of the resources that, along those lines that we've tried to provide uh, for everybody here uh, on form.org is a new series called The Sanctuary Course. Maybe you caught the show last week with Dr. Lillian Hendricks. We talked about The Sanctuary Course. It's to, it's a beautiful course that's designed with experts and clinical psychologists who care about mental health, as well as leading spiritual leaders in the Catholic Church to bring a spiritual framework uh, to mental health, to strengthen mental health. And you know, Eric mentioned that all, you know, five out of five people 
need mental health. We all need it. And, and our spiritual faith uh, in, in our Catholic and Christian faith can really strengthen that. And I think that's really important. You know, I began with Psalm 42, verse 5. You know, why are you cast down within me, O my soul? And, and yet the psalmist then goes on and says, hope in God. And that spiritual faith and hope can lead that. And I, I, I wanted to uh, highlight the importance of the Sanctuary Series. We provide it for parishes, so you can start a small group. Uh, you can do it individually by watching the eight-part series. Uh, we have some wonderful people on that series. There is a leader's guide, a workbook that you can download for free on form.org, and you can go and you can find the sanctuary easily on, on form right now. And so that's a resource to help people, and it, it really dovetails with the great work that Eric Windler is doing with jack.org, and. Uh, and we want to provide that, that spiritual resource for you. And I also want to thank all of you in our audience who support us, all of our benefactors, especially those of you in our mission circle who support us through the Monthly Giving Society. You know, it's having programs like the Sanctuary and making those programs uh, free to people is really because your support. And so I want to just, uh, just give a shout out to everybody who supports us in the mission circle. Your monthly giving really helps us have this ministry and to provide these resources. And there's so much need out there, as you can hear on a program like today. We want to provide resources for more and more people so that they can grow stronger. So thank you so much for joining us. And may the Lord bless and keep you. Take care. You can watch this show in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, e-books, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org. You can watch this show in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, e-books, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.